This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. On today's program, we present part three of the Step Closer series entitled Dodging the Haters. This truth-packed message will allow you to consider how to deal with those challenges that seem to weigh you down. Let's join Dr. Nate Roosh right now. Well, it's great to be in church. Big shout out to those watching online as those at each of our campuses. What a great day. You know what? If you're not excited, your pastor's going to get excited for you. It's a great day to be in the house of God. And so... I know, I know it is just because I know his word is true. And anytime we gather together, where two or three are gathered in his name, I mean, know Jesus is here. And when Jesus is here, anything can happen. And it's all for the good because he weaves everything to the good of those who love him. Amen. I, uh, I'm very excited. As we're into week number three of our Step Closer series, this isn't just meant to be something That is for a select group of people. It's an invitation for all of us to draw close to God. What would happen if you stepped closer to God in the middle of whatever season you're in? What is the potential? What could happen if God entered your season? Of course, we've seen how David discovered how to do that through the secret weapon of worship. We're now week three, and the question that we're going to answer today is, how do I step closer when I'm dodging spears? How do I step closer when I'm dodging spears? David has gone from being anointed to become the next king to serving in the king's household as a singer, worshiper, and playing music. He's also in the army, and as he's in the army, he's given lots of responsibility. And he's got a good friend. His best friend becomes King Saul's son, Jonathan. And David's kind of moving in. And if I were in the natural world, if I were David, I'd be like, sweet! Then the promise came, the prophetic word over my life, I'm going to be the king. Now this is the pathway. I'm in to the king's court. I'm learning. This is, must be God, right? Everything's working together. I'm best friends with the king's son. There's no awkwardness between me and him. We're on this thing together. And if I'm David, I'm like, sweet. And then I'm having victory in life and people are seeing me win battles. But the news of what David was doing also spread throughout the country and people started shouting David's name louder than King Saul's name and it created an insecurity inside of the king. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, turn there with me, in 1 Samuel 18 we see and discover that they're shouting David's killed tens of thousands, King Saul of thousands. So there's a comparison that's occurring and verse 8 says, this made Saul very angry. What's this? He said, They credit David with 10,000s and me only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. And David was playing the harp as he did each day. But Saul had a spear in his hand, and he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall, but David escaped him twice. Now this is a moment where we see a contrast between two individuals. King Saul, who was chosen by God himself earlier on in his life, 
has been in the position of authority, but he had a choice of what to do with what was going on in the condition of his heart. And in his heart, he was harboring things in his soul that would damage him and open him up to a tormenting spirit. I believe that David is the contrast to King Saul. For David learned not to be uh, inwardly worse and worse and let the sewage of jealousy and hatred swirl in his soul, but instead David did something different. And the result of what Saul was going through is it was making him more angry, more angry, more angry. How many know of the term road rage? And you see people, and by the time somebody cuts you off, flips you off, gets angry at you, tries to drive you off the road, there was probably 50 other cars before you that their rage was building on. You just happened to be the one that they wanted to take out. Saul has rage that has been building over time, and because he did not handle it correctly, it would destroy not only him, but the relationships around him. And listen, David was innocent. David didn't do anything wrong. David was doing the right things. I mean, you know, sometimes you can do the right things, and that causes somebody around you to be angry with you. I didn't do anything. Honestly, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to take your throne. I'm, I'm just worshiping. I'm just doing my job. David was a leader that had served faithfully, and David was invested in his relationship and had gone sour in a bizarre manner, um, a moment of jealousy. And I want to just, today as we go into this message, I, wanna, I want you to think about the moment we're in in America and the amount of hashtag hatred, haters, and people throwing bombs, angry, disappointment, injustice, one side after the other, and how many of you know nobody's listening to each other? It's as if we just want to hurl. We're doing what Saul did. Now Saul, the result of his anger that built up is he picked up a spear, and he throws this spear at David, and David didn't let the spear go in him. He avoids the spear, and I want you to know that you and I can avoid some of the things flying through the air at us. That the words don't have to penetrate our souls. They don't have to heave hate in our direction and we don't have to become what is being thrown at us in the real world of emotional and physical abuse. Spears are thrown at innocent people that wound for a lifetime. So what can we learn from David? How did David handle the spears that were thrown his way? Young David would spend seven years in Saul's household in his palace, four more years being hunted by Saul, and another four years in Ziglag until Saul dies. So we're not talking about one moment where one spear was thrown out. We're talking about 15 years of avoiding stuff coming at him. Some people come to faith in Jesus and they think, I gave my life to Jesus, I'm never gonna have to deal with the pain again. How would he know that's not the way it works? David had all of that still come out. You still got your family in your life. You still got to deal with haters outside your, in work or at school. They don't go away until Jesus comes back, amen? So how did David handle the many years of avoiding spears being thrown at his life? 
I'll tell you what he didn't do. He didn't get bitter. And he didn't take revenge or throw the spear back at him. And he never stopped worshiping. So how did David keep a pure heart of worship and not become like Saul over time? Let me give you five ways that David ducked the haters. Five ways that David ducked the haters. The first one is this. He ducked or ran. He ducked in this circumstance. In other circumstances, he ran away. It says in verse 11, but David escaped him twice. He got out of the way. He got away from it. He didn't stand there and put a target on his chest and say, keep coming at me. You want some more this? <laughs> oh, yeah? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond and retweet your tweet with a more hateful tweet. He didn't take the bait. He didn't jump in on it. He ducked in this circumstance and, or he ran away. And by the way, let me take this moment. If you are in a place where you're in physical abuse or sexual abuse, where somebody is hurting you, I don't care what you think, you need to get out of there. Go to the police. Go tell somebody you should not live in it any longer. And it's a lie that you may tell yourself that you actually are staying there because you love the person. It's something called codependency. But the truth is that person will never change until you get out of the situation. They're not confronted enough to change, and they need to change. Can I get an amen to that? So you can run, and I encourage you to run. As your pastor, it's okay to get out of that. Okay? I didn't say chuck the spear back at them. I'm saying just go ahead and run. David frequently took off when Saul attempted to murder him many times through the rest of 1 Samuel, as you read through. And if you're in a situation where someone is throwing hatred at you, and I'm not talking about abuse right now, but name calling or trying to bait you in an argument, leave, don't take the bait. This is a big deal, church, please listen to me. Because the way people, it's like amping up. And, and, and listen, there aren't two sides any longer. There's just nuclear bombs. We've gone from rock throwing to shooting guns to nuclear bombs across the fence ready to obliterate the other side, whatever the other side is in any situation. And how many know we're not better off for it? We're using arguments we shouldn't be using. Proverbs 26 verse four says, don't answer the foolish arguments of fools or you will become as foolish as they are. You could get into a wrestling match with a skunk and pin it to the ground but you're the one that comes out stinking. <laughs> Don't take the bait. Don't jump into that thing, okay? Ultimately, we have to remember who our enemy really is, and it's not necessarily the person that we think it is. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 6, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. David knew that Saul was not his enemy, and it's easy to confuse who our enemy is. But the king was not David's enemy. And instead of reacting, duck or run. Don't fight the way the world fights. 2 Corinthians 10. We are human, but we don't wage war as what? Humans do. 
We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Church, I'm just going to tell you right now, you can declare your beliefs. I'm not going to stop you from doing that. In America, it is a free nation. But if you think posting something on Facebook is bringing down evil spirits, you're lying to yourself. You and I need to learn to fight God's way, to learn to pray, to take authority in our spirit. I think the church needs to pray more and say less. I think we need to pray more and tweet less. I think we need to pray more and shout less. Stop shouting at the darkness and turn your light on. Be the light, show the example of what it means to be a Christian and pray it out on your knees. Can I get an amen to that? So David ducked, or he ran. The second thing that he did to avoid the haters is David left the hate but ran to trusted people. David left the hate but ran to trusted people. He went to authority in his life. In chapter 19, the very next chapter, David's on the run for his life. And who does he run to? He runs to the prophet Samuel. Samuel is the guy who had anointed him as a little boy to be the king. And Samuel is this wise voice that knows who David really is. And so he goes to Samuel. And the reason that he went to Samuel is because in the middle of spears flying and the smoke being around you and the confusion about who your enemy is, you need to go back to an authority who knows who you really are. Samuel knew who he was. See, in the middle of life, sometimes we get all off track, forget who we are and what we're about. We forget that we're a daughter or a son of God. We forget that he has a purpose for our life. We forget that he'll weave everything together for the good. And in the middle of it, we start hurling stuff back and forth or we deal with anxiety on the inside of our heart and we begin to kind of drift away from the one person God has called us to be. So we need to go back to spiritual authority or people that have authority or covering or they don't need us. And by the way, David didn't go to Samuel because he had some kind of military advantage. He was a prophet. He went to Samuel because he needed to remember who he was. And Samuel was a safe place to go. He could say, listen, spears are flying in my head. I don't know what's going on. I'm thinking maybe I should pick the spear back up. I'm thinking maybe people will go, come together. He could process even his next steps with authority. And that authority could say, whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes, baby. Don't get ahead of God in this one. The second thing that David did with that uh, is he didn't just run to his, his spiritual authority, but he ran to his friend. His friendship with Jonathan was a big deal. Somebody that he could process with, and it was a unique place because he could share things with Jonathan, and Jonathan was related to the person throwing the spears. But Jonathan did not duck and run or manipulate the situation. Jonathan was safe, and he advocated on behalf of David. We all need Jonathan's safe people we can go talk to in the middle of ducking spears. We need safe people who aren't going to hear what we say and get on their phone or text somebody in a form of a prayer request and share that information with other people. We need safe people like that, don't we? Because otherwise it stays in us and we need friendships that we can process with 
that aren't going to take on uh, our attitude, but they can hear what we're saying and believe in us along the way. But just as much as we need those kind of people, if you want a Jonathan in your life, you've got to become a Jonathan to others. See, often we want something from other people that we are unwilling to be ourselves. You and I, you want a friend? First show yourself friendly. You need to develop that and then you'll reap that. I know that if I am in a place where I am a a safe place for people to talk to, then I can reap friendships just like that. But how many know if you're sitting there and somebody's sharing information with you that you should not be hearing? that automatically you know, I better not tell this person that anything, right? Because if I share with them, they're gonna share my information with somebody else. So where's your safe place? That type of friend that you can, will believe in you. And by the way, when somebody comes to you and they share something with you that's painful, they've gone through racism, they've gone through pain or abuse, believe them. If you're that type of friend, your job isn't to filter out and excuse it, believe them. The fact that David didn't respond by striking back or retaliating prevented David from becoming what he despised. And those voices in his life were really big in that part of the journey. There's a great book called The Tale of Three Kings. The Tale of Three Kings written by Gene Edwards is a great book. The focus of the book is on three different kings, King Saul, King David and King Absalom. Absalom was the one that came after David that had an improper motive and tried to take his dad's throne, okay? Saul was the one that we've already been talking about it through the spirit, David. And the truth is to the reader, we have the opportunity to be any one of those three every day. You could be a Saul in the actions that are coming in. Are you getting insecure and throwing the spear back at somebody? Are you insecure and are you having a jealous eye on the people around you? You might be becoming a Saul. David didn't become a Saul because he opened up and he he shared things with the Lord. I'll talk about that in a minute. But because he didn't pick the spear back up and throw it, he didn't become Saul. And neither did he become an Absalom. And because of the friendships in his life and the authority over his life, it kept it like bumper lanes. It kept him from driving the car off the road. The third thing that David did to duck the spears of the haters in his life is he took his offense to God. This is something that David did throughout his entire life. It was something he did in the field. Now it's something he's doing as he's been in the palace and he's been driven out of the palace and spears are coming at us as as fast as he can handle it and he doesn't throw the spear back. And friends, David never took vengeance on Saul what Romans talks about, Romans 12. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. David was able to pass the test of revenge. In the wisdom of man, he could have claimed prophetic words of becoming the king and personal injustice. Even his own men spent time trying to convince him Go ahead and kill the king. He was in the cave at one point in 1 Samuel 24. and David had an opportunity to kill the king and take what God said was his. But he didn't let that happen in the area of his heart. In fact, when David turns around and he speaks to King Saul after he cut off the part of, of the king's garment to prove to him that he had the chance, the opportunity to kill him. This is what it says in verse 11. 
Look, my father, David is talking to King Saul, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I'm not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. See, David stands alone in this story. He didn't let the hate that was coming at him stay in his heart. He had a way of opening up to God and turning it over to him. In fact, while he's talking, he says, may the Lord, Lord judge between us. Why? Because that stuff went in David and out his mouth. He actually talked about it to God. He shared his offense with God. God's not afraid of the crud you're going through. He's not afraid of you sharing what you're experiencing. He's not afraid of the thought that somebody's out to get you or talking behind your back or saying stuff about you. He wants you to share it with him so it doesn't stay in your heart. Let me give you a word about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a statement of validating the actions or opinions of those who have harmed you. Forgiveness is not giving them permission to continue to hurt or abuse you. Forgiveness does not deny the pain that you've experienced. Friends, you have pain, don't deny it. In fact, feeling is the beginning of healing. Forgiveness is the decision to release our cause into God's hands. It's a decision to release it into God's hands. Forgiveness is choosing wholeness for our heart and ridding it of the poison of bitterness. You've heard the phrase before that that bitterness is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Don't let the stuff stay in your heart. This is how Jesus did it. Jesus was unjustly accused and on the cross. This is what he said in Luke 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Powerful moments. When you and I learn to talk and process with God and the offense comes in, don't let the offense take you out. Being offended is not a virtue. Being offended is something that you can't let stay in you. Being offended won't be fixed by telling somebody off. Being offended, and you get it off your chest, so to speak. It's off your chest, but still in your heart. Being offended is something that you take to God. You process that with the Lord. David didn't just keep it inside. In fact, at least 10 of the Psalms in the book of Psalms were written by David during the time that he was either ducking spears or running for his life from Saul. An example would be Psalm 59 as he's talking to the Lord. He says, my enemies come out at night snarling like vicious dogs as they prowl the streets. They scavenge for food but go to sleep unsatisfied. But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy about your unfailing love. For you have been my refuge, a place of safety when I am in distress. All my strength to you 
I sing praises. For you, O God, are my refuge, the God who shows me unfailing love. Come on, somebody. That's how David took it to the Lord. He talked about his enemies. They're coming at me at night, snarling like vicious dogs. But I turn to you as my refuge. As David processed his confusion, his hurt, his frustration and anger, he was transformed and developed the nature of Christ in his life. Friends, you and I cannot dodge spears in isolation and silence. We must open up and process with God through prayer. We need to open it up through worship. We need to talk it through with him. And by the way, sometimes the best antidotes for the people that are the biggest pain in your behind is to pray for them. I didn't say feel for them or feel like praying, but actually pray for them. The more you pray for them, the more God takes the hurt out of your heart and the more you give him the responsibility of dealing with the person. Sometimes when we go through pain and abuse, it causes us to cover up. It causes us to do this. And when somebody talks to somebody that's got their arms crossed, what is it communicating? I don't know if you're safe. I'm protecting myself. I walk up to a student in high school or college over the years in my ministry and I might do a high five because that's what I like to do. And if I do a high five like this and the kid has gone through physical abuse, the people in their life that hurt them might have used their fist coming down. And so their, in, their knee-jerk response, their initial instinct is to go like this. And I think we do that in varying ways when people hurt us. We cover up. It hurts our relationships with other people. But I want to I challenge you one area. It should not prevent you from opening up to God. It should not prevent you from trusting him, but let's be honest, sometimes it does. One, because we don't know why God allowed that to happen to us, or we don't know why somebody was allowed to hurt us, or sometimes we just relate to God the way we related to our earthly father or our earthly parents or to an authority. This is why we're talking about worship in this series. It's a big deal for you to take a step closer to God. You may have to learn to stop covering up and start opening up. And you can grow closer to God when you learn to open up and allow him to see into you. Thanks for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about Emmanuel and enjoy other messages by checking out emmanuelcc.org. Emmanuel's Sunday services can be seen live every week at 9 and 11 a.m. at emmanuelcc.org. Be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.